Mike Slater. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. There are these moments when you are compelled to do things that defy your own logic, that defy your own taste, that defy defy your own preferences. You wind up doing things that you don't like to do, and yet you like doing them almost because of it. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Missed a note there. Thanks for being here. Um, all right, let's, let's get some good news here. I'm sorry, I ended that last segment on a uh, on a negative note. I didn't mean to. I don't like to ever do that. I needed like 10 more seconds. I would have had a more positive tone. I'm sorry. Um, so let's get some good news here. Uh, opportunity and mobility is thriving in America. Or are thriving as much as it ever has. I think it could thrive a lot more. Uh but thriving as much as ever. Let me let me prove that statement. Because the president the other day, I just saw the short of this. The president the other day was uh, mocking Republicans, saying we're we're too gloomy. Um, and he said we're like grumpy cat, and then he made the grumpy cat face or something. Which I mean, I, I yes, I mean the Republicans can be gloomy. I guess my last was the la- was the last segment gloomy when I talked about. High schoolers graduating from high school not knowing how to read. Like if I, if we articulate that reality and talk about how that's unacceptable and ways to change that, is that is that being gloomy or or, or real? That I guess is how you present it. But all right, fine. I I see your challenge, Mr. President, and I will raise you uh, a little discussion about uh, opportunity or mobility in America. A child who is born in the lowest quintile. So a quintile is uh, 20%. So uh, you, you divide, uh, break up uh, the, the, the uh, how, do I word, how do I word this? Take all the people in America and uh, the top 20%, richest 20% income, richest 20% is the top quintile, top, top 20% of people. And then the, the bottom quintile, and then you have the three quintiles, three groups uh, in the middle there. So top quintile, bottom quintile, and then the middle three quintiles adds up to 100%. So uh, if you're born in the lowest quintile, so the poorest 20% of Americans, you have, today in America, you have almost exactly the same chances of reaching any of the other income quintiles as an adult as anyone else has. I'll explain that more in a second, but let me come out with the catch first. And there is a catch to that. It's a big catch. Your parents have to be and stay married. Kids who are born whose parents never marry, half of them remain in the bottom quintile for their entire lives. Half of them remain in the poorest 20% of Americans for their entire lives. I want to quote here from Orrin Cass from the Manhattan Institute. And I think this is a very powerful sentence, so it may sting, uh, but I think it's true. He said, Being raised very poor does not cut off opportunity. But what about being very poorly raised? 
Let's say it again. I think that's it. Being raised very poor does not cut off opportunity. But what about being very poorly raised? Well, yes, it does. That does cut off opportunity. Let's look at Bernie Sanders here because he's the poster child for this. Uh, well, not poster child. Uh, poster octogenarian for, for income inequality. So much focus on it. And it's so, so much focus on materialism. So much focus on money. So much focus on redistributing money as if money is going to solve everyone's problem. It's what it is. Progressives are materialists by their nature. They're obsessed with it. Listen to what they say and how they say it. they're obsessed with money and material things. Because if Bernie Sanders or any of them were serious about the issue of income inequality, they would focus on ending the cycle of poverty. And the reason that there's a cycle of poverty is the erosion of the family, period, end of sentence. Now, there are many economic factors that, that, that contribute to that, right? Welfare replaces dads. Public schools replace parents. Prison replaces the home. So there are programs that can, that can um, help this situation. But, but all the, those programs we're talking about would require less government, not more. Let me say this one thing and then I'll, I'll make it more real here. Uh, we're not going to go down this road today. We've done it before. But we've talked about Alexandra Kollontai. Uh, Alexandra Kollontai was the highest ranking woman in the Soviet government, 1920s and on. And she talked about ending the family. <laughs> she talked about how the government will raise your kid, like truly raise them, not help you raise, raise them from birth to uh, they're 18. So communism in its most pure state is not about eroding the family. It's about completely ending the family. <laughs> And replacing it with government. Now we're a lighter version of that, but in the end, it's just as harmful. Now I want, let me make it more real here. Do you remember the uh, John Edwards speech from 2004? It was his there, "There are two Americas" speech. This was at the Democratic National Convention. Um, John Edwards, who really, gosh, thank goodness that didn't happen. Like. Yeah, unbelievable phony what a disaster it would have been for our country i don't mean politically i don't mean like policy wise if he became vice president i just mean like just a black eye on our country if he became um vice president and then we found out after he was vice president all the horrible things he's horrible horrible choices he's made in his life anyway um in that speech in 2004 at the democratic national convention he was talking about his parents it's right in the beginning he's talking about his parents he says you taught me the values that I carry in my heart, faith, family, responsibility, opportunity for everyone. You taught me that there's dignity and honor in a hard day's work. You taught me to always look out for our neighbors, to never look down on anybody and to treat everybody with respect. He then talked about his dad. He said, my father, he worked in a mill all his life. And I still remember vividly all the men and women who worked in that mill with him. I can see them. Some of them had lint in their hair. Some of them had grease on their faces. They worked hard. And they tried to put a little money away so that their kids and their grandkids could have a better life. Then he talked about his mom. He said, my mother had a number of jobs. She worked at the post office so she and my father could have health care. She owned her own small business. She refinished furniture to help pay for my education. I've had such incredible opportunities in my life. I was blessed to be the first person in my family to go to college. 
I worked my way through and I had opportunities beyond my wildest dreams. So the whole point of John Edward's speech is that he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. He grew up on the other America, the poor America. And now look at him. And that's always weird to me that, you know, isn't that proof right there that there's still income mobility and, and, and opportunity in America when you can be born poor like that and then run for vice president? Same thing with Barack Obama, right? Uh, you know, lower income, but also, um, you know, talking about, oh, we're such a racist country and we elect him president of the United States. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Anyway, here's why I bring this up. This is how he ended his speech. He said, the heart of this campaign is to make sure all Americans have exactly the same kind of opportunities that I had, no matter where you live, no matter who your family is, no matter what the color of your skin is. And here's the truth. It matters a lot what your family is. He he says, you know, I want there to be opportunity no matter who your family is. It matters a lot who your family is. Now, maybe he meant, you know, no matter who your family is, like, even if you're not born into Bill Gates's family, you're still going to have opportunity. And sure, but it matters a lot who your family is. So let me break down these numbers a little more detail. People who grew up in the lowest quintile with two parents, two married parents, right? So you're a kid, you're born in the, the bottom 20% of Americans, the poorest 20% of Americans. Only 17% of those kids Stay in the poorest 20% as adults. Only 17%. 23% go up one quintile group, one income group. So they're not in the poorest 20%. They're in the uh, second poorest 20%, if you will, right? 20% go up two income quintiles. So now they're right in the middle. Another 20% in the middle. And then 20% go up four income groups. So now they're second to the top. And wouldn't you believe it, 19% of those kids grow up to be adults that are in the richest 20% of Americans. That right there is amazing. And this is right now. This isn't, well, you know, if we, I'm not making these up. Like, well, if we instituted free market policies, this is what it would look like. This is, this is right now. If you're a child, let me say this again, because this is so amazing. If you're a kid born in the poorest 20% of Americans with two parents, only 17% of those kids are going to stay in the poorest 20%. 20, 23% are going to go up a quintile, 20% up two, 20% up four, and 19% are going to make it all the way to the darn top. That right there is amazing, and that is only possible in America. And what John Edwards in his Two America speech was unknowingly, unknowingly his argument um, wasn't for new economic policy. His argument was for strong families. Strong families with strong work ethic and values. And he argued that there's a, it's important to have a community of people who are close-knit, looking out for each other, and who provide pe- plenty of positive role models around you. That's what he was, he didn't know that that's what he was arguing for, but when he was describing his life, and like, look at me, I'm, here I am running for vice president. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Not for any economic policy. Not because of any big government program. It's because look at who your parents were. Look at who the community was. We have to get back to that model. Here's why we don't. Because it's not something politicians can control and it's not something they can promise. Right? 
You can't. You can't promise that as a you, no one's gonna, uh, Bernie Sanders can't stand up and be like, "Hey, vote for me," and I will make sure that your kids grow up in a secure two-parent home. And and I vote for me, and I'll make sure that you teach them the value of work ethic and being punctual and looking people in the eye and determination and hard work and grit. And I'll make sure that you eat dinner together every night of the week where you can talk about your day. <laughs> that's not how politics work no politician can promise that even though it's what matters the most in life so because no politician can promise that they make up other promises and tell you that that's what's going to solve all your problems or all of our problems all of society's problems all of the country's problems they can't do it at all they never can they never will you trust them it's crazy so anyway take that with you Income mobility, when anyone, ever anyone talks about income inequality, first of all, say there's nothing inherently bad about income inequality. There's nothing inherently good about it. It just is. Uh, but there's certainly nothing bad about it. So, and immediately change the subject to income mobility. And the truth is that income mobility is thriving in America just as much as it ever has before. And that's good news. Now, it can do better. Absolutely. But that's more freedom, not more government. one 93 Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network.